2: LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, k 5 ux Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
0: Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to the latest episode, number 363 of Linux in the Hamshack. And of course, it's only the latest if this is in fact the latest you started listening to. But, this is the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet, and we are going to do our short topic show for this evening, and we're going to, I guess, get it rolling. So, let's do it. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
1: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO.
3: And I'm Bill, NE4RD.
0: So, we have some things to announce, sort of, as lead topics for tonight's episode, and these all sort of came down re- really, really recently, like in the last hour.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or two.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the first one is, it looks like due to the fact that we have had some scheduling conflicts and some issues with getting the podcast out on time, and the fact that in my world, Mondays are just becoming ridiculously busy and it's really hard to do a show on Monday, we're going to move the live recording schedule of Linux in the Ham Shack, and we will no longer be doing it on Monday nights, we will be doing it on Thursday nights. And we will be starting at 9 p.m. Central Daylight Time, or Central Standard Time, when that rolls back around. And hopefully, we'll actually start, like, at 9. <laughs> you really think
1: that the day change is going to change anything? I don't.
0: I don't know either, but we're going to give it a good shot. Uh-huh, so, so keep that in mind, and that means we're going to be skipping this next Monday and going, and this next Thursday and this next Monday and going to the Thursday afterwards, which if I remember right is September 3rd. So mm-hmm. that will be our first Thursday night recording 9 PM central time. Yes. So, so keep that in mind. And then I'm changing the website, <laughs> so? the website URL will stay the same, but the design is going to be different. So it's going to be in flux for a few days, probably. We'll try and make sure the major content is there, but it may look a little weird from time to time, uh, over the next week or two, as I get everything put back together, a new theme, uh, hopefully it'll look a little upgraded, a little more modern, be better responsive for mobile devices and so on. And, uh, overall just better in general. So look for the new look to the new website at lhspodcast.info starting very soon. It's already started. Um, it's just not complete right now. Couple of big changes for us, but that just means we're kind of marching into the future. So, with that said, I'll wait for the screaming to die down in the chat room.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to march into the future
1: either. Well, although if we get to skip 2020, sure, let's just fast forward. Yeah, I don't know around. that we can
0: actually move time around, but. <laughs> Uh, In the meantime, we should probably go ahead and get on with the show, and we'll address any comments or concerns related to that as we go on through the evening here. But we'll dive into some amateur radio topics, and I guess we'll, let's see, I guess I can do the first one since I put it in here, (laughs) Um, and because I'm still talking, so here we go. Uh, The first one is Google seeking 17 state 6 gigahertz test approval. In a recent request to the Federal Communications Commission, Google is apparently aiming to conduct a broadband network test in several U.S. states. It's not entirely clear exactly what Google's up to, but FCC documents spotted by Business Insider indicate the company's project involves tests centered on the 6 gigahertz spectrum band. Additional documents indicate the project involves transmission sites at two dozen locations in 17 states. Google also states that it's working to maintain any impacts or to minimize any impacts to others to other uses in and around six gigahertz, including amateur radio and government radio location. Earlier this year, the FCC adopted new rules for the six gigahertz band, a move it said should aid new uses like the next generation Wi-Fi standard known as Wi-Fi 6. Google is known for experimenting in a variety of fields and industries. And it's possible this new test is related to existing programs like Google's Fiber Web Pass or Next Generation Wireless Routers. So, so that's interesting.
3: <clears throat> and yeah. that story came to us from Cord Cutters News. Cord Cutter. Cord Cutters. Yeah, maybe they realize that, you know, digging up the ground and putting fiber in by the mile is uh, a bit expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, well, it is that, yes. Wireless is fairly cheap because you can, you know, tag on people's towers or put up your own towers. So, uh, yeah, this this might be a, a good news for people that have uh, limited access to high speed uh, high speed networking. But we'll we'll have to wait and see how this story unfolds.
0: Yeah, we certainly will, and we'll follow it up. I don't know how much work in amateur radio is done in six gigahertz, but apparently
3: there's some. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of our allocation there. I know we have an allocation uh, on the, I think it's a top end of five, but I don't know if we bleed into six or not.
0: Well, the story seems to think we're at least close. So I guess we'll find out when that comes down. And if anybody's doing a lot of six gigahertz work, let's know. (laughs) Um, We do have a lot of spectrum, like way up in the bands um, that we don't really hear about, or I don't really hear about. So I guess generally because the, uh, the paths are, are really short. When you get up into the microwave. So uh, anyway, story about Google. So let's move on, Bill. You can tell us. um, Yeah, I'll let you go ahead and do this one about this new contest.
3: Yeah, sure. This is a new contest for portables to debut in October. A new amateur radio contest for portable operators. The Fox Mike Hotel Portable Operations Challenge, or POC, will debut October 3rd through 4th. The event is aimed at leveling the competition playing field between fixed stations and portable stations. The scoring for the POC based upon kilowatts per watt, sorry, kilometers per watt, (coughs) I kind of put that all together, (laughs) kilometers per watt metric. Uh, will be handicapped in favor of portables. Uh, the contest is the brainchild of Frank Howell, K4FMH, a friend of the show. Uh, one of the uh, primary goals of the new contest is to engender more interest in contesting and participating in amateur radio as a whole. According to the contest rules, scoring will be calculated using the distance between stations in kilometers divided by the power output in watts. Fixed stations will compete against portable stations on 80, 40, 20, 15, and 10 meters allowable modes include phone cw and digital for the 2020 event the number of transmitters currently in use will be restricted to two portable stations may not make use of a permanently installed amateur radio equipment or facilities but may use ac mains power the exchange is call sign station class p or q consecutive serial number and a four character grid square and that story is from the AWRL. Yep, sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, posts about this, and uh, yeah, this should be uh, another fun contest. A lot of contests, uh, you know, if you're QRP, you do kind of sometimes get a points advantage. So uh, it's not specifically for them, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, with the interesting scoring metric, uh, it should be uh, it should be fun uh, fun game to play for sure all right nope, that was not me no i know it was my phone i haven't muted my, my phone, phone but <laughs> did that actually come through apparently <laughs> it did bit. yeah <laughs> that's fine i guess I'll i should go find my phone this was me so. <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the next story is uh, combating HF noise, what works? So this uh, came from a discussion in our Discord uh, Discord server over the weekend and reminded me of this article by Richard Newstead, uh, who wrote in a 2018 newsletter for Soda Beams where he starts Last year I bought a motorhome. It's been a great way to get about and has provided some. A provided welcome accommodation at rallies. The one thing that struck me when we started using it was how much rubbish we generate in our day-to-day life. Everything we buy seems to have multiple layers of packaging and it's all the more obvious in a motorhome. Clearly this you're, you're wondering if it, what this has to do with HF noise. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly this has an environmental impact and the mantra of reduce reuse recycle neatly summarizes a hierarchy of environmental impact reduction. As we will see in this article, A similar hierarchy applies for noise reduction, and that is remove, reduce, and reprocess, just in that order. And the article goes on to uh, discuss the importance of removing noise first. And the remove part talks about removing the noise that you can control. So this is stuff that's in your house. And like a lot of people tell you is like, if you find noise, you know, get your radio on battery or whatever, shut the mains of your house down, see if the noise goes away. If you, uh, don't hear the noise go away, <laughs> uh, you move on to the next step, which is reduce the noise and reducing the noise includes, you know, checking your balance, uh, adding ferrite bead, uh, ferrite beads around your coax lines going into your radios, uh, moving your antenna direction, uh, possibly moving the orientation of your antenna. So that's the reduce so you want to reduce the noise and then the third thing is reprocess and what do we mean by that reprocessing means use a dsp to reprocess the audio coming from the rig which will then reduce the noise um, hopefully you get enough signal to noise so that uh, you don't end up with no signal <laughs> but uh, but yeah that's that's a good mantra the article is uh, really short and it kind of goes over You know that that's what you should focus on when you have a high HF noise in your environment, whether that be at home or on the road or whatever. But the three R's seems like a really good process uh, to follow in order to work on your problem. You know, you don't want to just go ahead and just change your antenna or you know uh, you know start switching feed lines, whatever. You know, you want to see what's actually causing the noise and if you can remove it first. If not, how you can reduce the noise. And then whether or not you know once you've tried to remove everything and reduce everything you've done everything you can there you start looking towards you know getting you know your dsp noise reduction and you know turned on maybe at a higher setting if you're on a newer radio if you have an older radio you can definitely get some aftermarket dsp products that can process the audio uh, signal and and give you quite good success i have uh, an old uh, i think a w9 gr uh, audio processing board that works really really well for something um, that old but there's a, obviously like you know i think time wave makes a dsp and a bunch of other little aftermarket dsps you can find these days that will help you with that person uh, problem in your hf noise area but check out that article and uh, hopefully uh that kind of gives you the right mindset to uh to move forward in addressing your hf noise issues yeah, it's always an issue
0: for most people in their shacks because there's a lot of RFI and there's a lot of noise coming from AC and all that other stuff. And I just tend to deal with the standard S7 on
3: my meter, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of us just accept it, right? It's like, ah, it's not going to get any better. You know, I, I do run verticals here. And of course, we know that in a, uh, in a city, you know, in an urban area, uh, most of your, your urban noise is going to be in the vertical vertical nature. So the vert pick that up a little bit better. <laughs> so you end up with a kind of a, an increased noise floor just from using a vertically polar- polarized antenna. Um, obviously, if you can switch to a horizontally polarized antenna, that's really good. If you have a dipole, you can turn the direction which moves the null a little bit. Um you know, there's just a million things you can do to help uh, reduce the noise uh, of your existing antenna systems.
0: All right, good advice. And, of course, there are lots of books on how to deal with all this stuff, and you can always hit up your friends who are better at antennas than you. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, moving into open source topics, and the first one is open source has a people problem. Much of the open source sustainability discussion is focused on the one thing that really needs no help being sustained, software. As Tobias, oh, sorry, Toby Langle (laughs) (laughs) rightly points out, Open source code isn't a scarce resource. It's the exact opposite, actually. It's infinitely reproducible at zero cost to the user and to the ecosystem. Nor is sustainability really a matter of funding, though this gets closer to the truth. No, open source sustainability is really a people problem. Or as Langle highlights, in open source, the maintainers working on the source code are the sort, are the scarce resource that needs to be protected and nurtured. That came from InfoWorld via Slashdot.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And this is uh, something that has been a reoccurring theme. Uh, I think we mentioned a few episodes back uh, of some projects looking for maintainers. And it's always, it's always the hard part in an open source project is to maintain the leadership in the project so that the project will sustain itself and keep moving forward. So uh, this is the key. If you're, if you're contributing to open source regularly, you know, and you, you, if you're doing it to the same projects over and over again, you, you may want to consider opting yourself in to be a maintainer and maybe making that step into a leadership role of the open source project to help it, um, you know, su- be sustainable and, and move forward. Yep,
0: absolutely. I mean, it is the driving force behind open source and a lot of projects anyway, so
3: best to nurture it as best as possible. Yeah, there's no short or shortage of code. I mean, obviously, just going to GitHub, right? <laughs> Get, <laughs> GitHub or uh, a Stack Overflow, you can find all the code that you'll ever need to write in a cut and paste format.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how true. And GitLab and everywhere else too. So. All right, so next we've got a couple of flash topics we can discuss. Although the second flash topic looks
3: uh, sort of less flashy, but <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just cut and pasted a bunch of stuff in there. But I'll just I'll cover these both real quick here. So uh, the first one is uh, one we talked about uh, with uh, the release of the latest Linux Mint, and that's Warpinator. And uh, we made fun of it. So uh, it's, uh, it's now available on Flathub. So uh, if you want to send and receive files across the network in a simple and bonjour way, <laughs> uh, you can now install it via Flathub uh, to your distribution and have fun uh, using warp uh, Warpinator. So uh, we said to have the link in the show notes so you can find it there. Or you can just search with your favorite search engine and you can uh, go grab that off of Flathub. Uh, the next flash topic is that GhostBSD 20.0.8.04 is now available. Uh, this release comes with the uh, kernel OS and software application updates. We updated the Mate desktop to 1.24.0. A new interesting feature is the boot environment backup before updates, which is really cool. You can actually back everything up before you uh, boot into your new system. So in case you explode on impact, you can just revert back to the old, uh, old environment. Uh, So uh, that's a nice feature to finally have there in Ghost BSD. Uh, Some of the other issues and features that they completed during this, uh, this particular release cycle is that they added a window to confirm changes to software on the system. Uh, Software station opened. Uh, well, I don't, I'll don't have to figure out how to read these better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there was a change. Uh, they changed the release and dev versions to uh, year, year, month, month, day, day. Uh, when upgrading the ask slash, help new user uh, create boot environment if one does not exist. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the software station column should be resizable now. So it was kind of uh, um, yeah, a pain to kind of read stuff that uh, would scroll off. Uh, Let's see. We have uh, an approved GBI disk partition database. We have uh, the remove the default loading of drivers in the KLD list. I have no idea what that is, but really cool, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Let's see what else we got here. Anything that I can sticks out, uh, blah, blah, blah. Stop auto-mount of the live CD. That's always a good thing. Uh, Remove profile file and code. Uh, Let's see. In the pull requests that were open to merge, we have a uh, fix the username for editor and details button reported by the users. And added code to create the the backup that they uh, had mentioned as a highlight of the project. So cool stuff going on there. And obviously, uh, GhostBSD is the the distribution I tried uh, for making it ham radio ready. And it definitely uh, can be done quite easily through the existing repository. So uh, we're going to have a video on that shortly. I got all my pieces and parts to actually put these systems on bare metal and put them up on youtube so that's what my plan is and that's what i've been waiting for is to actually have all those pieces so so hopefully we'll see a a video on this and others uh shortly coming to our youtube's channel but uh link to that of course is in the show notes
0: all right very cool are you are you here now can you read a story (laughs) okay well we only had one story show up that i could include in the linux and the hamshack segment um apparently news in that rain has been kind of short lately uh although i think uh we should be getting a new WSJTX here before too long so that's that's cool although, yeah there'll
3: be a new build you might want to mention uh, the thing that uh, you talked about that's going to be in the build on the chat thing that was pretty cool
0: yeah i noticed that when switching between configurations because i have two radios now that i've been working with that if you did that if you switch between configurations the dark style if you had that set goes away Which is uh, kind of unfortunate. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I put that into the groups.io and got an immediate response and said that they were going to fix that in the next release. So that's pretty cool. I like it.
3: And they were going to change the dark mode to be a little bit better. They're going to tweak that a little bit. And I believe they're going to have that as a set option option and so you won't have to put it in the uh, the startup command line anymore.
0: Yeah, I don't know that they actually said that explicitly, but I hope that's what happens.
3: Yeah, he, he sort of
0: yeah he hint, hinted he, at that he hinted
3: sure. at that that would possibly be a, a thing which would be great because really the the bad part about the dark style of course is all the uh, notification stuff looks like garbage right because <laughs> that doesn't change with the rest of the ui so having uh if they do like a full style sheet including changing that with that config with a with like a toggle button that would be yeah the bomb
0: yep so we'll hope that happens So look for new changes in WSJTX along with whatever other changes they're planning for the next release. And then also I found the story, we kind of mentioned this in passing uh, on a previous episode, but there has been some further development in the area having to do with Bitcoin over amateur radio. And this story is titled Ham Radio Enables Offline Lightning Network Transactions. A lot has been said about Bitcoin's lightning network over the years. The technology has a lot of potential, but adoption may prove somewhat difficult because it requires internet access which is not always available in certain regions. Several enthusiasts have been working on ways to make lightning network transfers possible without the internet. Interestingly enough, some of the oldest wireless technology proves to be a great ally. Leveraging ham radio waves has tremendous potential in this regard. Known as the FL Proxy, it controls a radio to send and receive data packets. Combined with the LN Proxy software, it can effectively be used to achieve communications with lightning channel peers. LN Proxy is built to use a TCPI port by default. The FL Digi Proxy can connect to this port to send and receive information. What is even more interesting is how the different frequencies can be used for optimal LN support. Using specific frequencies allows for long-distance broadcasting of the information. Assuming there is another radio operator looking for signals, the transmission can be completed across vast distances. As viable as the approach seems, there are some limitations. First of all, one needs at least two radio operators for every transaction. Second, the operators cannot both be broadcasting at the same time. There are also some questions as to how long signals can be transmitted for. Currently, it is possible to, with the right setups and the Lightning Network transaction, within five minutes. An impressive feat, especially when considering how there is room for further tweaking and improvements. The next order of business is using this setup with real-world radio setups. Calling in help from amateur radio operators should provide some necessary feedback as well. Many Bitcoin enthusiasts can benefit from this model, assuming it is viable in the real world. This would certainly give Bitcoin an even more global appeal. That came from crypto mode.
3: So, yeah, and the, the test one that they have on their uh, their website, if you dig down into the links in the show notes, uh, they have uh, one that they did on 20 meters uh, between California and Michigan. So uh, that actually looks pretty slick. All right, very
0: cool. So if you're into cryptocurrency and amateur radio, something for you. I noticed my portfolio has gone from, like, $6 to
3: 9 <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure, like, if that, like, violates the doing business. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I it's
0: just, just transferring data, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it seems kind of like, like a gray area there. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's a very gray
3: area. Yeah. yeah I don't know if I would be, uh, yeah. I mean, you might want to consult the uh, Part 97 for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It definitely seems cool and uh it definitely uh opens up some opportunities yep absolutely
0: so with that we have come down to the end of our short topics for this episode but that means we are down to our social media roundup so we will uh let you all know who is a supporter and a follower of our program or at least the new ones <laughs> well,
1: well all, ones all the supporters and,
0: and the new followers how about <laughs> there that There you go. Yeah.
1: You're saying, no, the list doesn't look like it's changed that much. So, okay. So for this round of Patreons, we have Richard Gordon, Andy Webster, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, David Jakeway, Donald Gover, er- uh, Douglas Rutter, Erno Costales, Herb, Ger- uh, excuse me, Herb Garcia, John Spriggs, Peter Caffrey, Paul Griffith, Randolph Smith, Robert Pitts, Samuel Vime, Steve Metcalf, Steve Saner, William Heckelman, and Jonas Rula. For subscriptions, we have two new people, which are Mark Farrell and A. Taylor, and we have Peter Spots, Robert Black, Randolph Smith, Robert Halliday, James Lewis, Fred Cole, Michael Burdak, Alan Wilson, Ronald Ikey, Michael Connolly, Steve Biella, Jim McKenzie, Dylan Engel, Johnny Kinsey, Robert Yerke, Bill Piotr, Darren King, Thor Wiegman, Todd Bowers, Kevin Ivey, John Clark, Bill Collins, Jeff Zimmerman, Tony Coberly, Roger Pereira, Jeffrey Boris, Michael Carey, Steve Hepler, and Michael Jopling. For Facebook, we have Rick McNamara and James Deward Wilkinson. For Twitter, we have at Hank underscore Colesnick, at Omri, Omri underscore Raider, at L0CHWOD, and at Tom Plain. On YouTube, we have Anthony Ortega, Tony Saxton saxon excuse me and matt young and there was no mailing list uh subscriptions and no merchandise sales
0: nope but thank you to all the new people who have come on board and who are supporting the show or following it on the various social media outlets we appreciate that and we appreciate all of you being listeners and supporters of the program so we should probably go up to the top here and let people know who joined us on the live show tonight we had a few we had Gene, BX8AAD, Steve K, 7 hbt Don, KC9ZMY, Tony, K4XSS, Ted, wa 0 areir EIR, yeah, Don, KB2YSI, and Darren, VK6EK. So thanks, everybody, who made uh, the sort of offline chat interesting while we did the show, and the chat continues now as we wrap this episode up, but I think that's all we have to say for now, so... We'll go ahead and close this one out and hope you'll uh, tune in for the next one as well. We really appreciate you listening. This has been episode number 363 of Linux in the Handshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
1: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO.
3: And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.